I've been asked to talk about science um, from my conversations that I've had. I would say that science is one of the main reasons that students are leaving the faith, um, particularly with regards to Genesis 1. I'm not going to be talking about Genesis 1 tonight. <clears throat> the stance I take on my website is uh, a different approach to Genesis 1, something that I think is incredibly valid and is gaining favor around the world. But I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm just talking about science in general. Science as the new religion is my subject. I really enjoyed science in school. You'll be able to tell I didn't go into science. I went into Bible. Um, Galileo said that uh, God has two books. One, the book of science and the natural world, and one, the book that we call the Holy Scriptures. I really enjoyed science in school. They were some of my favorite subjects. I didn't like chemistry all that much, but I did like biology, and I really liked physics because of the math. Um, bio was a lot of memorization, and my memorization isn't all that great. I mean, I have a good memory and all, but I, I forget to use it. Uh, my wife says I can hide my own Easter eggs, and that's true. Uh, <laughs> I hide the eggs for the kids, and then in the morning when they can't find them, she says to me, well, where'd you put them? I, I don't know. And then I have to find them. But I'm one of those guys who has amnesia and deja vu. I think I've forgotten those things before. You know how that goes. I, didn't, I did have amnesia once. Twice. I, I don't know. I, uh, bio was, I, went, I enjoyed biology. I enjoyed physics a lot. Um, in college, I actually, I, I, I had a great fun. I signed up, you know, you have science majors, and uh, science majors, science requirements in a liberal arts education where you have to, you know, you have to take at least two science courses. Well, I had enjoyed physics in high school, and I uh, enjoyed, the, as I said, I enjoyed the math of it. So in my third trimester, freshman year, I signed up for a physics course to get rid of my gen ed for physics. And I walked into the class, and I was surprised that there were only about seven students in the class. And after I sat through the class, the professor called me up to the desk. I thought, well, this is a little unusual. I really didn't think I had impressed him that much, <laughs> which I hadn't because he said to me, what are you doing in here? And I said, well, I'm a freshman, and I had, you know, science has a gen ed, so I thought I'd sign up. And he said, this is, a six, this is the sixth of a six-semester sequence in physics for juniors and seniors, and this is the sixth like everybody, the other seven students in here are seniors, and they've been through four years of college and this, the other five courses. Well, I was a freshman, so what do you think I said? I said, well, that's okay. I'll take it anyway. <laughs> At that point, I should have been a sophomore, which, as you know, means in Greek, wise idiot. Uh, I took the course. 
hardest course I ever took, I'll tell you that. I, I should have followed the professor's advice and taken something like geology or something, but I did it. I, physics was fun. I, I always enjoyed science. And so there's some things that I want to say about science uh, as we get started. And science, the first thing is science is awesome. Um, some people think that Christians are anti-science. And I just want to say right from the outset, I am not anti-science. Science is, is worth our respect. Uh, it's one of the best things that human beings have ever accomplished. When you look at the notable achievements of humanity, almost all of them are based in science. I mean, even the engineering feats of the ancient world are really scientific achievements. And when you look at what scientists have achieved in our culture, in the technological age, following the industrial age, it is simply awe-inspiring what humanity has been able to do in science. I look at the pictures the Hubble telescope has taken, and I am floored. You just can't believe that that's all out there in the kind of beauty and splendor and majesty that the Hubble can capture. The tininess of microbiology and particle theory and the things that science is, is doing with particles and what we know about cells now that they certainly didn't know when I was in school. We studied cell biology. And, uh, you know, now they know incredibly more than they knew then. Uh, it's just amazing. Quantum mechanics, genetic research, astounding. Amazing. How could anybody not respect science? And so, if you want to see me on my knees taking my hat off to science, then picture me that way. Look how it has changed our world for the better. Maybe some Christians are anti-science, but it's not part of our faith, and it's not part of what the Bible. I mean, when you look at people like Galileo and Copernicus, 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 you know, Kepler, geniuses, all believers. Uh, which leads to the second thing I want to say, that Christians have a scientific mandate in Genesis chapter 128, God ordains us to subdue the earth. And that's not so much a cultural mandate as it is a scientific one. It implies a degree of human sovereignty in our world, control, direction over nature. We are to advance civilization. We are to regulate natural forces. Don't ever think that you have to choose between Christianity and science. The command in Genesis 1.28 expects fulfillment in the continuing pursuit of science. Our curiosity is God-given. Our capacity to know and understand are God-given. Science is a very appropriate outworking of God's command to rule the earth and subdue it. I applaud the pursuit of science to every corner of knowledge that we can pursue it. Having said that, in the last 200 years, though, science has gotten caught up in its own prestige. Hubris, I might say. Our new knowledge is so breathtaking and so earth-shaking and life-changing 
that it has motivated some to say that all old knowledge, anything pre-scientific, including all religious ideas, is now not only suspect, but should be discarded. If it's not science, forget it. That's right, crumple it up, throw it in the trash. We know better now. We have science. And that's where I take umbrage. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. What's happening? Wow, I didn't even bullet point those, huh? Scientific naturalism is a worldview. Don't read them yet. I'll get to it. Scientific naturalism is a worldview. And strictly speaking, it's a worldview without God. It looks at ourselves and at our world with naturalism as the source of all truth. Because that's all there is, they say. All there is is what we can see, what we know. And people write to me online, and these are some of their quotes. Now we'll read. This is what people say to me online. Evolution and Christianity are incompatible. The Bible and science stand in absolute contradiction. Recent findings about the Big Bang prove God to be false. That's an intriguing statement. Evolution has been proved to be true, and the Bible has been proved to be false. Christopher Hitchens destroys the idea of miracles. I won't believe in miracles unless you verify them scientifically and prove God to me using scientific means. In other words, science is now claiming to be the source of all knowledge and is claiming to take over many of the same roles as religion. In particular, it claims to give answers to the questions, why are we here? Why does anything exist? Is there a God? What is our place in the universe? Is there a purpose in life? What makes something right or wrong? What is love? Is there life after death? Is professional wrestling fixed? <laughs> science is claiming to answer these questions, which means that science is purporting to be the new religion. If science can answer these, then see, in a, in a real sense, then, Science, scientific naturalism, has become the new religion, regarding itself as the bastion of all truth, a discipline that holds the answers or the potential answers to all questions, whether they reside in the science lab or not. Science is to be believed even where evidence or direct proofs are lacking, knowing that someday we will learn the answer through science just as in the days of Copernicus, or Copernicus, depending on who you listen to, Galileo and Einstein. Eventually, all will be known, and science will be the angel of light. Science will be what brings it to us, because look at what science has brought to us so far. Now we know that all the things that the Bible writes about are, are ignorant mythologies. Um, so issues that were formerly left to other disciplines are now being considered to be circumscribed by science. My question tonight is, does science legitimately have this kind of reach? Are theistic ideas really doomed to an eventual death at the hand of truth in a modern era, or at least relegated to a distant cave where primitive and ignorant people can still cling to their worthless ideas of God religious purpose, and the silliness of objective morality. 
Naturalism gives us its answers. There is no God. It makes no sense to hope for life after death. And as to our place in the grand scheme of things, we human beings are just another animal with a peculiar way of making a living. Scientific naturalism puts itself in the same role as religion. And so I want to talk about why science cannot fill this space. It is not possible that science modeled on the natural sciences can be the only source of real knowledge. And it can't answer the deepest questions of humankind. Why not? And I've already hinted to it. Why not? Because I said, you see, it's not possible that science modeled on the natural sciences. And so the question comes to bear is, well, then what do you mean by science? What is science? Is science the pursuit of of naturalism? Is science the pursuit of what we can know from our natural world? Or is science the subtotal of all knowledge? Is all knowledge? Or is it just the study of the material world? Now, you see, there's usually something distinctive about the disciplines that we traditionally call science, something that's different from other disciplines. And I'll evidence it this way. Colleges have different degrees. One is a BS and one is a BA. One is a Bachelor of Science and one is a Bachelor of Arts because there are distinctive disciplines. Generally, the sciences have been biology, physics, chemistry, astronomy, geology, zoology, things like that. And then we've had what we call the humanities. The humanities, the way we process and document the human experience. Things like English, literature, philosophy, religion, art, history, language, archaeology, ethics, law. Now, are these things science? Well, the question is, how do you, how do you define science? Is science everything? Well, if science is everything, then theology is a science. If science isn't everything, where are you drawing your lines? How do you even define science? There are people called science philosophers, or the philosophy of science. And they are the people that say, science can't be defined. It's not, you know, just, okay, this is what science is. What is science? Science is trying to take such a big gulp in our world. Now we have a whole bunch of bandwagon jumpers. We now have management science, behavioral science, family and consumer science, decision science, food science, computer science. How do you define science? What constitutes science? You know, I am not at all interested to limit the ways of obtaining knowledge to those that are called scientific. As a Christian, I want the freedom to obtain knowledge in all fields by appropriate means. Now, since science is most accurately the study of nature, using an inductive method, why would I limit my mind to the inductive method? What about deductive thinking? What about abductive reasoning? See, we should welcome whatever works best. I think science is taking too much of a gulp. It can't really be defined. And in that sense, then it it can't take the place of 
religion. Science, of all disciplines, should recognize the rule of appropriate measure. You know, we have valid units of measurement. We measure by gallons. We measure by liters. We measure by feet or kilometers, Fahrenheit, centigrade, right? Each works to measure its own category, but not matters outside of its category. We would never say, oh, the temperature outside tonight is six gallons. See, that's not the appropriate rule of measure when we're talking about temperature. Or, I put 72 degrees in my car. Right now, I'd accept 72 degrees of anything, but I certainly wouldn't put it in my car. That's not an appropriate measure for that category. So we have to be careful to use the right measuring system for the category or the item being measured. In the same way, we make a mistake in any discussion of the existence of God if we use the wrong measure of proof. I had said to, before, people said to me, use, prove God to me using scientific means. And I would say, that's the wrong and inappropriate measure of proof for the existence of God. You're trying to put 70 degrees in my car when you're trying to mix categories. See, it's, it's absurd to think of proving God in a scientific sense of a lab process or a mathematical equation of a calculator. It, it's as absurd as to measure distance by gallons. Ultimate questions like God's existence call for an appropriate measure of proof. And I, con- I would contend that science is not the appropriate measure for testing faith. Just, just as science is not the appropriate lab for testing if justice was done to a perpetrator. Okay, go to a court of law, go out to Ferguson, Missouri, and would, would a, is a physicist the person that should decide that case? Is a biologist, is a chemist, is a zoologist, what, what would make science the appropriate measure of testing of justice? You see, science doesn't have that reach. Science was used in the decision, but that's not the, the appropriate measure of justice. Is science the way to tell if you're really in love with someone? Oh, you say you're in love with her? Let's do an EKG. Let's do an MRI and see if you're really in love. You see, we all, we all giggle because we know that's not the appropriate measure. That's not how you tell if you're in, in love with somebody by doing an EKG. We know that. There are appropriate measures for appropriate categories. Now, trial lawyers use science in their cases. They use science to back up what they're saying. But the issues they deal with, and I just use this as an example, the issues they deal with are far greater than any laboratory can address. In decisions of truth, like guilt or innocence, the hard facts of science are brought to bear, but they're only part of the picture of getting at what actually happened. And human beings on a jury take into account things like motive, context, means, emotions, 
prejudices. That's why we use juries, not scientific panels. Juries deal with direct and indirect evidence, material evidence, testimony, and they use human reason to weigh and calculate. And so the appropriate measure of the proof of God and our faith is not scientific naturalism. The proof of God is in circumstantial evidence, witness, experience, logic, historical interpretation, literary interpretation, and our inner lives. And none of that is within the, re- the legitimate reach of science. Science wants to be the source, the only source of truth, but it's just not the appropriate measure for many categories. Science, as I'm saying, doesn't and can't address every subject. Alvin Plantinga, philosopher, asserts that science has only a limited voice in subjects such as politics, morality, religion. Mark Lanier argues that science has only a limited voice in the area of law and jurisprudence. He's an attorney, and he uses science in his cases, but juries decide, not the scientists. And what about fields like literature, poetry, art, language, music. You know, a physicist listening to Beethoven's Fifth and a musician listening to Beethoven's Fifth are approaching knowledge from completely different vantage points. And science is not the whole picture. Even history. To me, it's like this. I have a friend back in Buffalo who is quite opinionated And he thinks that any sport that requires judges should be banned from the Olympics. His reason, he says, because it's not a matter of a stopwatch, it's somebody's judgment. History, for example, is a matter of interpretation. It's not repeatable. You can't set up a control group. It's not even predictable. It's not science. It's a discipline. It's a humanity. It's in the humanities department at colleges, not in the science wing. Historians use science, and they use scientific methodology, but then they interpret the facts to create what we call history. They use judgment. It's not math. It's judgment. Science is just inadequate to speak for all of what we call knowledge. There are flaws in logical positivism, which is also called verificationism. Verificationism or logical positivism is the idea that only if we can experience something with our five senses is it knowable. And people say that to me. I won't believe it unless I can experience it with my five senses. Unless I can study it by scientific means, it's not true. Therefore, all notions of God are completely nonsense, so they claim. Now, the problem with that is that the very premise itself, only if I can experience something with my five senses is it knowable, that's a philosophical statement, not a scientific one. That can't be tested by scientific means, that statement. And so the very foundational statement of logical positivism is self-contradictory because it cannot be proved by scientific means. It cannot be proved 
with your senses. What a scientific naturalist insists is that what reaches them from the outside, whatever it is, including these concepts, see, they, they call that data. Well, now it's data, and so we'll call that data, we'll call that concept in my head data, and therefore it has objective validity. To which I would say, well, how do you know on the basis of logical positivism that that's data? Why do you philosophically interpret it that way? You see, we've still got a problem. We're still talking philosophy, not science. See, there's no way to prove scientifically what this data is or how to recognize it, so it's just a belief statement. And therefore, it's self-refuting because logical positivists will tell you that you can't believe belief statements, to which you'd respond, you really believe that. I mean, I'm being, I, mean I know that's, that's a little snarky, but I'm being serious. It's a philosophical statement. And so, and what about love? Again, we're back to love. Do logical positivists fall in love? Sure they do. Nobody would suggest otherwise. All human beings are capable of love. But on one basis, well, on what basis? Certainly not on logical positivism. It's a self-refuting philosophy. It, the, the whole concept doesn't make sense. Science, when you get right down to it, science is actually more consistent with theism than it is with naturalism. If you're really interested in that, Alvin Plantica has written a book. It's only about 300 pages long. Um, and it's called Where the Conflict Really Lies. A fascinating treatise on theism and atheism and their relations to science. And science is more consistent with theism than with naturalism. We need to understand that regularity, order, purpose, means to an end, and natural laws are more consistent with a theological worldview than with an atheistic one. Personality and morality are more consistent with theism than with atheism. The answers to the profound questions of life are more easily and logically answered by religion than they are by science. The existence of the world as we know it fits better with the concept of an intelligence behind it than it does with accidental and random processes. Even the capability for rational thought out of which science is even possible. Makes more sense having come from a rational source than a mechanistic one. I could go into each one of these uh, just a little bit. Regularity and order. Of course, the Bible says that God created the world and that it, he created it with regularity and order. But if you take a completely scientific naturalist approach, that there is no such thing as God and all this happened by chance, where do the laws of physics come from? And somebody would argue, well, they just came. And we could play that through, and I'm not going to play that through, 
but you sort of get the idea that assuming that they were made by a God who created them with regularity and order actually logically makes more sense than that they just came out of a out of a random big bang and then laws started you understand what I'm I want you to understand what I'm talking about you know the idea of purpose means to end I like to use the illustration of uh, an iPod on shuffle if I have an iPod on shuffle and it's playing songs at random, totally at random. Can I expect the iPod to give me a, a, a playlist of my favorites? No, it's on shuffle. It just is a random. Um, it may accidentally do that once, and I may say, Woo, I got three songs in a row, my favorites. But the thing's on shuffle, and so there was no real purpose behind that. It was accidental. And can I expect it to, okay, now give me a set of classical. Well, it's on shuffle. It's mechanistic. It can't do that. According to scientific naturalism, the universe is on shuffle. Things happen the way they happen, with no particular purpose or means to end. And, and I can't expect it, a sequence that makes any sense. And, oh, it may happen once. And I might go, woohoo, we got three in a row there. But do you know how the, how the scientists say the universe came about? And three in a row doesn't cut it. Uh, and with a universe on shuffle, can there ever possibly be a thing such as means to end? No, it's on shuffle. If shuffle is the only choice, purpose has no meaning. Purpose has no place. There is no such thing. And yet the universe obviously operates with a means to an end logic. Well, where did that come from if the universe is on shuffle? Scientific naturalism. You see why theism makes more sense than scientific naturalism. And Plantinga would even contend, um, okay, well, where did, where did our reasoning ability come from? If, if the universe is giving random sequences, then, okay, Let's say that somewhere along the line, let's, let's play with it and say, okay, somewhere along the line, consciousness comes about. Let, a, let an evolutionist explain to you how that happened and whether that makes more sense than the theistic answer, that consciousness comes from a conscious source. But let's just, let's just play and say consciousness comes. Okay, but the, the universe is still random things that happen. It's mechanistic. So if I have a thought, can I trust it? Is this thought a good thought or not a good thought? Is it a worthy thought or unworthy? Or is it true or is it false? How can I tell?
because it has come to me through the random processes of scientific naturalism. How can I trust the thought that has come to my head? Plantinga plays this through in his book. If you're really interested in a, a good night's reading, How can I trust those thoughts? You see, and so even the scientific... See, I have to be able to trust those thoughts for science to be meaningful. But if those thoughts are coming to me through a naturalistic, evolutionary, random sequence, can I trust them? And the answer is, you don't know if you can or not. And so this is why I'm saying... The things like regularity, personality, order, morality, purpose, rational thought and existence make more sense in a theistic framework than they do in a rationalistic one. And I am not disrespecting science. What I'm disrespecting is science saying that it can solve all these problems and address all of these issues and that science can tell me all of what existence is all about, which is what metaphysics is. And that science can prove to me that there's no God and there's no life after death and there's no morality and there's no meaning and there's no purpose. And I'm saying it can't. It is overreaching itself in self-contradictory ways. Science is not. Not only is science not all the knowledge there is, it may not even be the most important knowledge, as awesome as it is. All in all, naturalism and science don't really fit all that well together when you play it down philosophically. But there is deep concord between theism and science. Science fits better with theism at the bottom lines than it does with naturalism. And that's my case and my conclusion. So let's pray again. God, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, well, I thank you for the way that we're able to think and reason and observe. I thank you for science. I thank you for all the good gifts that you've given us. I pray again that you would talk to us, that you will make your ways and your truth clear. And we thank you that you do that for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.